Welcome to The Frenzy. Hi, I'm Melissa Carter. And I'm Jen Hobby. And here's our promise to you. The Frenzy is here to change the conversation around age. So that you can celebrate all your years rather than lie about them. Real stories connecting real women. I'm Melissa, and the reason I got into media was because of Jessica Savage. I don't know if you remember her. She was, I think, an NBC correspondent. Oh, cool. <laughs> she died young in a tragic accident. So that's why, oh. you, yeah, so that's why she didn't, her career didn't continue. So, but when I was in the 70s, she was a big deal and she is the reason I'm in media. That is so cool. I need to hear more about her. <laughs> okay. I'm Jen Hobby and I loved my first bike. It was strawberry shortcake themed. Was it really? Had a basket, had a and basket. I've- if I close my eyes, I can still feel what the bike seat felt like. Oh, did you have the tassels? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The pink and white <laughs> flapping in the wind. Yes. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, coming up on today's episode, we are talking about girlfriends, otherwise known as the sisters you pick for yourselves. And you'll also meet actor and comedian Melissa Peterman. She is hilarious and tells us about how she values her girlfriends like Reba McIntyre, Valerie Bertinelli, and so many more. And Melissa Peterman stars in Young Sheldon on CBS. She's about to turn 50, so she is fired up to share some funny stories about coming to terms with her new number with you. (laughs) You are going to love her. But first, have you subscribed to the Frenzy podcast yet? Why? Uh, Please do. Uh, And leave us a review. If you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts, you can always go to thefrenzy.com also to find out where we are please do visit thefrenzy.com. And if you enjoyed this episode of The Frenzy, please share it with a friend. We would love for more women like you to find out about our show. Now, Melissa Carter, we are going to share some laughs with Melissa Peterman here in just a minute. But first, let's thank our sponsors. Just heard your friend, neighbor, or colleague has been diagnosed with cancer? Your first instinct is, what can I do? Kick It Pajamas is the answer. Kick It sells pajamas, gowns, and other accessories specifically designed for those going through cancer treatment. Go to kickitpajamas.com and use the code FRENZY to get 10% off. That's kickitpajamas.com, code FRENZY for 10% off. Give the gift of comfort and style. Kick It Pajamas. Let's kick cancer off the planet. Hey, it's Melissa. My family has a history of vascular disease, so I make a point to get my vascular system checked through Lifeline screening each year. The health of your arteries is important and it's critical to understand your risk of stroke and cardiovascular disease. With a simple preventative screening, I get peace of mind or early detection so that I can take action. Since 1993, Lifeline Screening's highly experienced staff has screened over 10 million people in order to bring awareness to potential health problems for follow-up with your physician. To find out more, go to LifelineScreening.com. That's LifelineScreening.com. And be sure to use the code FRIENDS. That's FRIENDSY without the Y. So that's F-R-I-E-N-D-Z. All right, Melissa Carter, we are going to talk about girlfriends and why they are so important in our lives here in just a second. But first, I have to thank you as my girlfriend, my sister I chose, because as we talk about on The Frenzy, this time of life means we're caring for young children and we're caring for aging parents. Right. And you gave me some solid gold advice for my (laughs) mother-in-law and we put it into practice. So great. Yes. My husband's mom is, um, having her vision decline. So she has macular degeneration and her vision is declining. And Melissa's mom, Millie Pete had the same thing. And you had some great ideas about resources, about a place here in our town where we live in Atlanta, actually Smyrna, where you can go and get some rehabilitation services and Mm -hmm. some help. And so I took your advice. Uh, We put it into action. We went uh, last week for an appointment and they were fantastic with her. Yay. I'm so glad. Loved it. There were some really kind people there. The doctor, the staff there were just amazing and really empathetic to what she's been going through with losing her vision. So she still has great peripheral vision, but she's missing the details in the middle. Yeah. And she's having a hard time with things like reading or writing out her checkbook, 
That's very important to her. Balancing that checkbook has been hard. Just some different things, being able to see price tags in the store, things like that that are difficult for her. And they helped out so much. I'm so glad. I I really, I have to give a warning to our listeners. If you have anybody in your life or it's you that has been diagnosed with macular degeneration, pay attention to it. Do not let that slide because Mm -hmm. it is, it is much like emphysema which is it, you can maintain your current level, but you can never get it better. So I don't know. I had a grandfather that had emphysema. Uh, the problem with emphysema is it damages your lungs to the point that it can't recover. So you have to get on top of that. Same with macular degeneration. Like Jen mentioned, it's one of the few vision impairments in which it starts at the front of your eye. Most other blindnesses and vision impairments start at the periphery. And so my mother got to the point where she couldn't recognize uh, people's faces. Uh, she she was at the point where she couldn't see her grandson. Um, you know, so and it was frustrating, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the end. Like that's just a new thing you have to adapt to. And it and there's there's plenty of services, and I'm so glad that she went that will help you and has equipment and has things in which they can help you feel better about that. Uh, the one beauty of macular degeneration is you never go fully blind, um, but it certainly does change your lifestyle. That's for it sure. It does. And my mother-in-law is still independent. She's living on her own. She's 82 and she loves her home. She likes doing her own thing. And so I went with her to this appointment, to this place that you recommended, and we can put it in the show notes. It's called Vision Rehabilitation Services. Mm -hmm. And I went with her to the appointment and we walked through. And that's the thing about this age where we are. And this is why having these conversations for women in our forties and older is so important because we got to share how we're navigating these things in life and share that you have something to navigate. I think don't keep these things to yourself. There's no reason to be embarrassed or ashamed at however your body is changing. Yes. Or in helping your family members, because had you not shared with me this, I wouldn't have been able to help her. And I'm so glad that I went with her because in addition, she's got some hearing trouble. So I was able to navigate that appointment with her and say, no, that's not what they said. They're asking you this, you know, because sometimes Mm -hmm. you need to have that extra person there for that layer of communication to make sure that everything's crystal clear. Yeah. Well, and I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being a compassionate family member because not everybody, unfortunately, uh, is a part of a family where somebody would do that and not treat the older family member like a burden. Because there's a reason why you hear people say, well, I don't want to be a burden because they have seen people being treated as if they were a burden. So good for you for doing that. No, it made me feel like I was helping her be more independent. And I know that's what I would want when I'm 82 and struggling with some stuff or I can't drive myself to appointments anymore because she's not really driving other than to the grocery store right by her house. But it was really helpful to be there, walk her through the appointment and say, let's buy this thing that helps you read your books and read your mail and your bills. And this is how you use it. It's like a thing you slide on the desk Mm -hmm. and it helps magnify and it's got a light and it's got a tilt and I could help her get it tilted to the right angle for her. And then there's a thing she can keep in her purse and there, therefore she can read menus at a restaurant you know, since we're out of COVID and she's vaccinated, she's going back out again and she should be able to go to the diner with her friends and read the menu if there's something there to help her do it. But she didn't have all these tools yet. So I just want, I wanted to tell that story because A, we're all caring for aging parents and this is this time of life. And B, I wanted to say thank you so much for being such a, a help in sharing what you went through, sharing your story with your mom and passing it on. Um, so big thank you to you from from me and from Ellie. She said, Aww. please tell Melissa. I said, thank you so much. Sweet Ellie. Well, you tell her thank you or you're welcome rather for me. And and just a really quick plug to our Instagram page. If you go to Instagram and go to the frenzy, if you have not, you know, uh, uh, linked with us there, there is a throwback Thursday picture. This is full circle that I posted there, I think it was a few weeks ago, where it was you and your husband and my mom and me. And that was at a, a an art show that my, because my mother was an artist, and it was an art show that was uh, to benefit Vision Rehabilitation Services because they helped her as well. So it's a, it's, if you're in the Atlanta area, they're fantastic. If you're not in the Atlanta area, find a place near you because there is someone to help you. 
And it, yeah, I, I am just thrilled and they will follow her progress. So now they've got like a baseline on her eyes and they'll be able to follow and make sure they're giving her additional support as she needs it, as she gets right. older and taking it and paying attention to that. And also just to reiterate, like, you know, with Ellie and being willing to go and willing to open her mind to new possibilities and tools mm -hmm. like that very thing in your, her purse. My mom had it and Mr. Carter, that was his favorite toy at the restaurant. So he was yeah. using that light. <laughs> he was just staring it in his eye and putting it in his mouth when he was a baby. And he thought it was hilarious, but you know, we talk about how women don't ask for things. Women don't, you know, when they're younger, you know, we're, we're, we have to kind of get ourselves into the habit of I'm worth it and I can express what I need and what I want and I can ask for what I need. And so you need to do that younger so that when you are in your seventies and eighties and nineties and really do need the physical help, that you don't sit in silence and not say anything and let these conditions get worse and worse when there are people who care about you and want to help you. She got so many new things. I was just thinking about it. She also got <laughs> sunglasses that are better because they wrap, wrap around. Mom and walk, had those, yes. Walk out the light. <laughs> she also got, she realized that just over COVID, her glasses and her reading glasses prescription changed. So in one year, it changed dramatically and she needs new glasses. So we're getting her, her new prescription and all this stuff. So anyway, so there's about like five or six layers of things that will improve her life. And none of that would have happened without you. So thank you. Well, and, and we talk about sharing your story and this That's is right. I shared my story with, well, first Jen shared her story with me because she remembered that art show and what mom was doing. And so I shared everything that mom had gone through and then now Ellie's benefiting from that and she will share her story with other people and so on and so forth. So sharing your story has great benefits mm -hmm. for everybody in your life. And so we all, it, it doesn't have to be a physical ailment. It could be anything, but don't, don't forget that what you are going through can serve a purpose for somebody else. So don't be afraid to share whatever it is you're going through. Be vulnerable. It's fine. That's what the best, the best stories come from being vulnerable. But Absolutely. yeah, but today we're going to talk to somebody who gets a little vulnerable with us and, but also is very funny and she's an awesome guest, an actor, comedian, producer, writer, Melissa Peterman. She is a ton of fun. She is best known for her roles as Barbara Jean on the TV show Reba. FS strikes the memory like, oh, I know who she is. And then Bonnie <laughs> Wheeler on Baby Daddy and currently stars on CBS's Young Sheldon. Sheldon, that's hard to say. Sheldon. I'm just going to rename the show. Tell your brother. Uh, <laughs> Melissa is embracing all her years and we cannot wait for you to meet her. And without further ado, here's our new friend, Melissa Peterman. So lovely to be here, ladies. <laughs> It'll be like NPR. No offense to our NPR friends, but it's... I'm just drinking a lovely iced coffee. <laughs> and I've got a little sugar-free caramel macchiato cream in it. It's all made of chemicals, but it tastes delicious. See, Melissa, your tone, you have a good tone in your voice. Thank you. That's right. Thank That's you. right. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Peterman is here with the frenzy. We're so excited. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This Melissa is an actor, producer, comedian, writer in Hollywood. She has starred in so many successful TV series, including Reba, Baby Daddy, Punchline, and currently Young Sheldon on CBS, which is how we connected through my brother, Matt. So we're definitely going to talk about that in a minute. Melissa and her husband have a son, a teenager, right? Named Riley. Yes, we do. 15. Yeah, I think he's in the basement doing some sort of schoolwork. Hope <laughs> you hope. I've got hope. questions. I've got so, my son is six, so I've got so many. Like, oh yes, you're my oracle. You're going to tell me about okay, my future. I'll tell you. I'll, I'll tell you your future. And Melissa <laughs> is about to turn fifty, so she is all about saying her age out loud. We're so excited to have you on the frenzy today. I didn't know it would hurt so bad when you said it out loud, though. I mean, I enjoy <laughs> saying it out loud. I mean, I'm embracing it. Like, I'm I'm 50, but it's kind of, you know, when other people say it out loud, it's still a little twinge. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I'm good. I'm, I'm super glad. I was just saying the other day, every day you get to get older is a blessing. So let's do it. Bring it Absolutely. on. Absolutely. It so is. Now, Melissa, we know you as Barbara Jean on Reba, Bonnie Wheeler on Baby Daddy, and Brenda Sparks on Young Sheldon. But today, we really want to get to know the real you. So can you tell us a little bit about your history, like where you grew up, and how'd you get out to Hollywood? Uh, I was uh, born and raised in Minnesota, Minneapolis, a suburb of Minneapolis, Minnesota, and uh, Burnsville. Went to Burnsville High. And then, which is a great, I love 
going back to the Midwest, I still have a place there and love to go back there and bring bring my teenage son to Minnesota. So he gets his, his you know, the motherland is what I call it. <laughs> um, and uh, I always loved theater, loved comedy, but was kind of shy and quiet about it. Was a reader, kind of an introvert in a way, because, but the reality is I think a lot of people who are drawn to comedy are observers in a way too. Like I was always taking it in and reading and and then in high school, I sort of had a great theater, um, Mr. Moraz, who sort of unleashed the the crack in and, and and found let me find my passion on stage and always loved that. And then went to Mankato State, which is now Minnesota State, which has a great theater program. And even then, I was afraid to admit it out loud. I was like, I don't know, even though I was taking every class that a theater major would, I still was sort of afraid to say the words out loud because it just was admitting I was choosing a career that would be so unstable and full of rejection. And I wasn't sure I was ready to to say that out loud. And then um, finally did. And I knew that whatever, however my life turned out, that theater or performing would be somehow be a part of it, whether it was in community theater or whatever. But I knew if I didn't try to make it in LA, I would be that 50 year old woman who's like, I could have been something. <laughs> I had a chance to go to Hollywood and I stayed here. <laughs> um, you're welcome. It's a bit early for that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to bed somebody. Well, and I don't know about Jen. I know that I was a theater major my freshman year in college, actually. And I realized what a shitty actress I was. And I was better <laughs> at being myself. So that's why I went into broadcasting. So I admire you for doing what you do. Well, I'm going to play you in the movie then. So that would be perfect. But I, yeah, I, I, I'm really, I loved, uh, I loved that I figured it out. I guess I didn't figure it out that early, but I knew early on, I just allowed early enough, I think, but I mm-hmm. found it eventually. So tell us about that move to Hollywood. Did you go like right out of college when you're 20, like pack up the, you know, Honda Accord and drive out there or what? <laughs> Jen, it was a Toyota Tercel, please give me some credit. Yeah. Respect. Give some respect to the Tercel. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I graduated and um, knew that Minneapolis was such a great and rich theater, vibrant town. I didn't want to, I knew I should take advantage of that. So um, after college, I was working at TGI Fridays. All right. And I'm a really good waitress and I still have that backup plan, plan B people. (laughs) And uh, I started doing Tony and Tina's wedding, which is an interactive uh, theater, which was fantastic because I was working with the best improvisers and you improvise a show every night. And I was pretty young, right out of college. And so it felt to me like going to grad school for funny, just getting to try to, you know, keep your game going all night long with these fantastic fantastic actors like I truly think you know no other city's got anything on Minneapolis St. Paul as far as talent and actors so that was great and then I um, was cast in the movie Fargo and that was again you do that though and it doesn't come out for a year so I do remember that um, I had done the movie and I was waiting tables at Fridays and somebody came in after movie and said didn't I just because it was they had seen Pulp Fiction but the premieres for Fargo the trailers were airing during before Pulp Fiction and they used that my scene, one of the hooker scenes in, in, in the trailer, which I didn't know. No one tells you not, they're not calling like, like the Coen brothers were like, get me Peterman on the phone. I'm going to tell her she's in the trailer. <laughs> so I was waiting tables and, and this couple's like, um, were you, did we just see you to trailer for a Coen brother movie? And I'm like, yeah. So did you do salad? Like, you know, I, I don't <laughs> know to do, but yeah, it was, I, I was very lucky sort of right out of college that I had that great live theater experience with Tony and Tina's wedding. I think I did over 600 shows with them. And wow. then, uh, and then I did um, uh, Dudley Briggs Brave New Workshop, which is uh, basically second city in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the same sort of thing. You're doing your, um, you're writing, you know, five shows a year and improvising every night after the show, which was another great for me coming out to LA. That background was invaluable to me as a, as a, person auditioning and then um came out with the brave new workshop to do sort of a showcase here in LA at the HBO workspace and from that little workspace I got a little couple nibbles of like we'd love to meet with you and and all that and I'm like well I have to go back to Minnesota and and I did and got married and oh, this is timelines all over the place and <laughs> I think I'm in order but basically I moved out to LA about 20 
56 years old, married, had done some theater in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and saved some money and came out. That's it. You know, I what, you mentioned earlier about being a comedian and you're an observer, right? And so here you are doing improv, you're writing, you're doing all these things and honing that skill. And then in our society somehow, even though comedians always seem to be the consciousness, I think, of things that are going on, like you use humor to let everybody from every political background listen to you. Mm-hmm. But comedians have always kind of had their finger on that. And then comes like the John Stewart and he becomes the most popular news anchor right. for a generation, but he's a comedian and he uses humor to tell these stories. So uh, do you find that to be something that you embrace about being a comedian? Um, or is it something that is, you know, people are overthinking that? Uh, well, I, I embrace it. I think that's always been a comedian's job is like you shine a light on something and you exaggerate it to a point like satire is in a way you make, you exaggerate something so far out to make a point, which has become harder and harder as the reality. So is, is so insane. Sometimes it's hard to satirize what's really <laughs> happening. How do I True. exaggerate what's going on? Um, no, but I, I always think that comedians are the Greek chorus or, you know, they're the person that's supposed to sort of comment on what's happening, but do it in a way that does like, I feel like you can get away with most things comedically if it comes without malice like you're allowed to to shine a light on some of the ugliness if you use if you if your is this is ugly and it takes a really smart talented person to be able to do that sort of comedy really well and it sometimes maybe does offend people but i i don't think that i think that that's okay in a way if you're if you're the point is yes you should be offended because this is insane bad this is bad funny is funny no matter where you sit on the political spectrum. Funny right. is funny. And when it was funny, it should still be funny in 25 years, 50 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. It should be. And as a comedian, you've starred in so many great comedies on television and have had incredible co-stars. And from what I've read about you, you've stayed close friends with a lot of your female co-stars. Can you talk about like the importance of those female friendships in your life? Well, I, I force it on them, really. Uh- <laughs> I you will, I will be not be friend. ignored. I will not be ignored, <laughs> Reba. Yes, I I I think that um, it's funny because Reba and I have talked about that. Where you know, not every time you're in a working situation do you become friends with people. That's that's the icing on the cake, right? Like it's it's a good thing when you like who you work with and it's it's fun and easy. The the great thing is when outside of work you become friends. And I've been lucky enough that pretty much all of the shows I've been on, I've been able to forge outside of that. And part of it is putting in the work, you know, and, and connecting. Reba doesn't live in LA anymore. She's here a lot, you know, and I get to see her and I go to Nashville a lot, but we, you, you can still maintain that friendship by staying connected, whether it's a, you know, a text where I think we've had a running group text between so many of us that just keeps going or, or calling her. And I'm going to see her this, this weekend at, at something at an event. And, it's just about putting in the time. And here's the deal. Like if you put in the time and you build a foundation, you don't have to talk every day. Right. Like the, your real friends are the ones that they're not going to get mad if you didn't call right back. They're not going to get mad if you didn't answer during the premiere of Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. They understand. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Where you're real friends and I still have friends from college, like my best friends where I don't have to apologize if I, if a moment where I we've all been insulated and at the minute I call you will you pick up from where we left off and we're secure in the knowledge that I've got your back right. and I think as I've gotten older you know I've always say it's not about you know quantity it's always quality you sort of call the herd you know that it gets sort of wanes or it calls itself but I've made it a point to stay in charge and like and Chelsea Kane, who I did baby daddy with, who is young, you know, she's young. And why does she want to hang out with me? I'm 50. I said it out loud. <laughs> um, and I just adore her. Like, you know, and I, and I talked to her last week, like you just, you put in the time and effort to do it. I tell you women, we need, we need our friends and we need a partner if you need, I mean, you do, but friends are super important for, for me and you. 
Well, and, and, and it's important to note that, you, like you said, you evolve with those friendships. You make friends along the way. And I think for a lot of women who are older, it's difficult for them to open themselves up to make friends with new people along the way when they have held on to friendships, you know, maybe from college, maybe from high school, yeah. maybe, you know, from a marriage that has fallen apart. So, you know, women do need to open themselves up to new opportunities the older they get instead of just being rigid in what was in the past. It's hard though, right? Right? It's hard mm -hmm. when we get older to make a new friend because we are like, well, that's not how, why does she use, put ice in that? Nobody puts ice in that. <laughs> like, it's just this weird stuff. Or I find that the older we get, and this maybe is across the board, whether it's a friend or, or whatever, like when you have to travel with people, like you think about who you could go on a road trip with or travel with, which I'm thinking of because I'm maybe put together a girls weekend for my 50th. Um <laughs> Nice, as you should. <laughs> and uh, it's like, who do you want to spend time? Like, when you travel with people, like that's when the real stuff comes out. So I always think like, yes. who could you do the amazing race with? And a lot of times it's not maybe your best friend, but you could go to a hotel and have, you know, room service with them. It's just <laughs> sometimes friends don't fit in every moment of your life either, like right. or in every every world. Like it, I like it when worlds collide sometimes when you bring, oh, these are these friends and these are my childhood friends in college. And I always think it's interesting when you, when the worlds collide a little bit and see how mm -hmm. that works. And sometimes it's okay not to have them collide. You can have right. pockets of friends, different places. It's like like you said, whole, I have a whole secret friend family that I haven't told anybody about. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, in, they're, they're in Utah. Out. Hi, Marcy. <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> well, Melissa and I are old friends and we met through a work situation. So she and I were both co-hosts on a, a very popular morning radio show together. And that show has now taken, you know, all kinds of different turns. But she and I have always remained friends. And that's why we wanted to start the frenzy, because it's like, you know, out of all of those years, this was the thing that came out of it to me that, that was the best was this right. friendship. Right. And um. Yeah. And yeah. so people now that we're doing a podcast say to us like, oh, we're so glad you're back together again. And we're like, back together again. We, we never, never left. left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's, isn't that funny? Because and the thing is, if you never work together again, you'd still be friends. Like, right. And that's the thing, too. Like that part was just one part of what our friendship is. There's a whole other world there. Mm -hmm. But I, I love that, that you guys um, branched off and did other things. Do you guys travel together? Have we ever traveled? I was just trying to think about that. If we've we did work that. trips together, we did but... work trips together. And remember, I gave you that brush to blow dry your hair with. Yes, because I saw your horrible brush you were using, and I was like, yes. "No, you cannot use that." <laughs> I need way. the help, Melissa. I need the help. <laughs> Jen, Melissa, help me. Melissa, I see you. I remember one of my best friends, George. She's from Minneapolis. She played Tina in Tony and Tina's wedding. She's a brilliant actress, so funny. She came to visit me once in LA, and she looked at my hair dryer. She goes, "Um." long have you been on a sitcom? And I'm like, like, it's like season three. She's like, you can afford a new hair dryer. Like, <laughs> I looked at my hair dryer. It had, it was like black in the back, like from mold and maybe burnt <laughs> and like long strands of hair that it was now like actually sucking in hair and like cutting it off. Like, and I'm like, no, it's fine. I just have to hold it far away. Like, <laughs> and I was, and I just looked at like, you're right. I, I can't get a new hair dryer. <laughs> That's why you need good girl. You need your friend to like, why are you using a towel from your wedding? Like, why? And it's like, <laughs> exactly. Yes. And I get the next time she comes to visit me, she will say the same thing. Like, um, your dog's been sleeping on that same old towel for like 15 years. <laughs> That's but, a good yeah, but yeah, you bought a case of wine. I'm like, I know I've got priorities. <laughs> <laughs> don't knock the case of wine uh, that's right. exactly right <sighs> but no jen yeah jen is that we're that for each other but i need more of the help so usually it's the jen jen's the one being more vocal so i accept i accept the accept advice it. <laughs> yes. accept it. i always say that when i um when people ask me like if young people ask me I'm like you want friends you want to surround yourself with people that completely lift you up but they also tell you the truth like they need to <laughs> they need to love you enough to say mm, that's not great that's not a great look on you or like what you're doing right now it's not a great thing and I think that a lot of times um friendships can break up when people tell the truth too much and I think it's okay and also to understand that in in a lifetime of friendships when I've had I've been lucky enough to have friends for 20 years 20 plus years and you know and 
they will disappoint you. I will disappoint them. There will be moments that I will disappoint them. And um, for real. And and I want them to go like, it's okay. Like if you, if our friendship is worth fighting for, we can get past being disappointed. We're humans. We all disappoint each other. Sometimes we forget that this was important to you. And I, and I think that if you don't take that opportunity to say, you know what? I felt bad when you forgot to like call me about this one thing and just say it in your chest. It's when you don't tell them and you let it fester, then it's, then it's your problem now. Cause you didn't give them the opportunity to, to let them know that you, you were disappointed or that they dis. I will. I want them to tell me if I disappoint them. I'm disappointed yeah. right now on this podcast. You're like, I'm disappointed. <laughs> um, it's too early. This is literally my first cup of iced coffee. Because <laughs> it is, we're on a. How many hours are we different? So it is funny how it is early for you when we're recording this. It's and not it's, that early. Let's be clear. It's you like ten eighteen. But it's early, like in you know, quarantine. As far as like, I'm still not. I would literally threw a smoothie downstairs for my son and was like, I'm, I hope he's on Zoom school because we're still hybrid. Like he's still like half. Minus so, two. Um, yeah. I meant early as, and I haven't like put myself together. Like, like there was going to be a big difference. Like I really would have. <laughs> Tell us about the last year of the pandemic. How have things been for you and your family? Like what have been the good things to come out of it? What do you never want to go back to? You know what? I think on, in all honesty, I can't complain. We were, I was super, I, nobody that in my immediate, immediate family got sick. I was lucky enough that we could be at home. And uh, so no complaints, but yet it was odd. Like I, I think in the beginning, it we felt very much we're all doing this together. And then we all had, even if you were in the same household with somebody, moments really isolated, even in the midst of hunkering down with people that isolate, at least for me. I also learned that I like to be alone, but I, when I say that, I mean, I am, I like to be alone without other people in the house. Like that's the one thing that I realized I love my husband and we still like each other after this. Like he still makes me laugh, which is huge. And I, and I love, and I like my son, but, and I'm sure they'd say the same about me, but I found that, uh, you know, speaking of friends, I, my, one thing I was trying to do every week was sending cards, like handwritten cards to friends oh. every week to just sort of like people in the mail. We don't do that. And I learned that we don't, need to go out as much but i music i miss theaters live stuff like that i really did i ate frosting out of a can several times um, <laughs> my my place that was the bathroom was it? when i needed the hide. the five minutes like i'd take my phone in the bathroom and shut the door and just like play a app game or something or watch a video or something just to give me a second to recenter and then here I'm at again, right? Yeah, I think that, but they found it weird when I started just moving, like rolling in the in the stove in the bathroom. They're like, "This is," too- <laughs> <laughs> and I, and and the, it's funny because um, you know, LA at least we have good weather, so we could sort of be outside. But I found that I would not even do that. Like I, I did. I super found myself in moments of just being lethargic for no reason which usually you can pretend to blame it on something. But I think there was just a general sense of like low grade anxiety and it was all how we dealt with it. And, and I, I dealt with it by, I guess, eating frosting out of a can and writing notes to my friends to tell them how much I love them. (laughs) (laughs) At the end of the day, we're, I'm fine. And I really, I think I was so grateful. I think about moms that, you know, and I don't know how many kids you have, but I have a, a teenager who I didn't have to micromanage. Like I didn't have to log him on and zoom and make sure I think about any parent that had a kindergarten, second grader, first grader trying to get them. <laughs> Melissa, <laughs> how did you do it? I think, I think for me, it's all in what you focus on. So to me, to be with my kindergartner at home and do kindergarten was this bright spot in a terrible situation because the lessons in kindergarten are of inclusion. They are of, you know, love everybody, love yourself. Let's be happy, you know, and you're learning your ABCs and learning your one, two, threes and math and science. And, and it just, I was like, we take that stuff for granted. You know, I watching him learn just the fundamental things in these happy, fun songs that normally would probably have gotten on my nerves 
nerves. But like I, I found that they teared me up during the pandemic because it was like, oh, I know, I just happy fun. I want to be out with you know, like it. It was. Uh, oh, I it, get it. It was. It was very cathartic for me to do that. So I'm actually you know, a little sad about it coming to that part of it coming to an end. But I know that's a good sign that things are going back to normal. So it's a good thing. You know, I could just say, I, I just picture you, Melissa, just the wheels on the bus. They go round and round and it doesn't matter if the bus driver, she's just trying to get somewhere and we're all just trying to get somewhere and we all need to be, take care of each other and get on the bus and listen <laughs> And I mean, I definitely had some of those moments too, where you're just like watching anything and just crying for no reason, which is yeah. fine. Oh, yeah. I, I found that since you had the bathroom, I would drive places. Like my husband would truly say like, so you, it took you six hours to go to the post office. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I took a detour, like where I would get an iced tea and I just drive around and be like, Boop, beep, doo, doo. <laughs> just because <laughs> it was alone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's funny. I think that we need that alone time to process everything that we're, you know, women are often multitaskers, right? You're, you're parenting, you're friending, you're familying and you're working and we need that alone time just to crunch it all. I feel like mm -hmm. it's like our little computers have to have that alone time to crunch the numbers. You say it better than I do because I, I I think that when I think about my alone time, it's usually like emptying my brain of just everything and like eating caramel. But I'm really crunching stuff. I'm crunching. I'm processing. Yes, processing. I'm processing. I'm not yes. singing. I'm not singing Prince songs and eating caramel in my car. I'm processing people. This is called processing. Well, you know, I do want to. I want to go and talk about how you and Jen are connected. And I'm curious how that type of, you talk about working from home, like it's one thing to work from home if you have a accounting job or you're a lawyer or you're a broadcaster, but when you're an actor on a top rated <laughs> show, how does that work? So explain, Jen, if you want to, how you guys are connected. Because I think a lot of people don't realize that Jen's related to somebody that they watch every week. Yeah. So my brother, Matt Hobby, stars with Melissa on Young Sheldon. So he plays Pastor Jeff on the he, show. He doesn't just play him. He embodies <laughs> him. He is so good. I mean, he's a, such a great, talented actor. But Pastor Jeff, I just love him so much. And I finally got one. Well, we had a couple scenes, but we got to do a fast walk together. And it was just my favorite thing. I'm sorry. I interrupt you. I just love him. He's so good. So I'm so glad. I'm so excited. Well, yeah. And that's when we launched the frenzy podcast and I was telling my brother about it and he's like, you have to book Melissa. She's amazing. And we were just talking on set. So, um, so that's how the whole connection happened. But tell us about working on young Sheldon during the pandemic. You guys had to get tested like crazy. Like how'd mm -hmm. you make it happen? Well, I have to first off, give it up to our, the entire production team and our, the COVID, the healthcare work, everyone, they, they had it down. I mean, the thing, the great thing about production is they're used to, well, we can create a, in, you know, we can create a, um, a high school in the middle of a soundstage. Like they, they can make things happen quickly and they can, they can do that when they have the parameters. And so the learning curve I felt was actually pretty, pretty short on as far as production was like they had it set up where we had drive through testing. So I felt safer, frankly, working on a set than I did going to a grocery store. Wow. I felt very protected. They were very, because there's a hundred and as you know, as uh, Matt would say, it's, it's not the eight people or how many to watch watching a TV show. There's like 150 people. So they have to keep them all safe. And so I felt very safe. I thought they handled it so wonderfully and frankly felt safer in production working because I felt I've been tested five times and I've done nothing but drive to the post office in my car. So I know I'm safe. They just really made sure that everyone did feel safe and that we were, and frankly, everyone was so grateful to be back at work that nobody I don't think was taking unnecessary risks. Like you didn't want to be the guy that's like, huh, well, I decided to I got a group on for a party bus. So I went on it this weekend. And, you know, so everyone I think was very respectful about trying to, even though you can't always control it, right? Like you can't, sometimes it happens, but I loved it. And, and for me, just getting um, outside of the house and being there, I was so excited and grateful, but I, I will, I do remember my first scene back after having a long period of, you know, just being at home, I remember doing the scene and thinking, why does my voice sound so weird? Am I talking normal? 
like it felt, I felt very rusty. Um, but the good news is that set is such a welcoming and wonderful, warm place to be that, you know, I was like, is this how Brenda talks? Like I couldn't remember <laughs> how things happen. So for me, it was a respite. Just you were, it was so lovely to be there with, um, with those people, the, the cast and crew. So I was grateful every time Brenda got to come and play and get me out of this house. So it was great. It's such a great show. I'm obsessed. such a great show. Yeah. And, I, and I'm written. sure you're, I'm sure your brother tell you that like you get these scripts and you know, a lot of times if you're on a, a four camera show, like things, obviously that is a different world in, in a way, but the jokes change, things change so quickly after every run through network run through that way. But this is a single camera. And, but these scripts show up the first time you're through, they are so beautiful. They're perfect. Like there's rarely like, you know, for, you know, page one rewrite. That wasn't great. You know, it's so wonderful. And they're, and they're so precise in their comedy. Um, you can have like a one page of, of dialogue to do. And it's like layers of this character or these people, like it reveals it, whether it's revealing it in a joke or just a subtle thing. And I think what the show does so beautifully is it balances humor with humanity so well, like things are very heartfelt and a little bit heartbreaking sometimes, but then it's, also just really funny. What about working with the kids on set? I always think about shows that have kid stars that and what that life is like for them. Well, they're all, it, for me, because I've been on a couple of shows where kids, like Reba, we had kids and then Baby Daddy, obviously we had little babies, which we went through, I think, four sets of twins in that run of that show. Um, and then now on Young Sheldon, I think it's all about the parents. Like you look at the, it's it, how they, what, how the life is for them. It's how their parents are. And what's so great about, um, Young Sheldon is that, um, Reagan's mom, their, their parents are good. They're raising great kids who make them feel safe and secure and that they also feel loved and that the show isn't all their life. And I think that is why these kids are great kids. Uh, I love having scenes with all of them, really. I mean, it, I remember working with Annie though, the whole time with Annie Potts is like, Oh gosh, designing women, Ghostbusters, everything pretty manga. I love you so much. <laughs> know, right? And I was trying so hard because it was, I think my first episode was with Zoe and and Annie. And you know, it's a it's such a it's got such a great reputation. The show doesn't as a guest, you don't want to, you're just a guest at that moment, you know. So you're not walking in, you know, knowing everybody. So I'm like, just do your job, Melissa. Job, don't screw it up. Don't don't try to smell Annie's hair. Just, just get through it. <laughs> you know. And Cut a little piece off it for later. Yeah. You know? <laughs> just for locket, Annie. Just for a little locket. Um, uh, Who are you going to call, Annie? Who are you going to call? Who are you going to call? Go, go, <laughs> and then Zoe, who is so, like, you know, her mom, she looks so much like, there's moments where you see that Lori Metcalf just shine through. Oh, and yeah. They're both so brilliantly funny. And Zoe is like, so I, I was uh, I was inside a tornado of nerves. And it, and, and, they made me feel very safe. And so it went well. I was like, okay, I think that went well. That went well. I think they'll have me back. But then I can get the hair for the locket because they asked me back. You know, um, <laughs> so but I just I really was so nervous because they're such a they're such a they're such great actors at the end of the that's where it all started. They're just good actors, really good actors. And when you got good actors with with great writing, it's it's you can go anywhere, really. And you're like, and I gotta Jeff, show up and bring it. I gotta, I, that's what I felt. I'm like, this is a Chuck, you know, Chuck Laurie. I think he, I think he, you know, owns half of this town. Like, and it's, and he's known for doing really great shows. Like, it's a great thing to say that you're on one of those shows. So I was, yeah, he's a little, you're like, huh, Melissa, <laughs> shower. Okay. You know, brush your teeth. <laughs> well, just, there's a couple, just show up. There's a couple things you said during that, that I think is important. Like exactly what you just said, which is, what we said about the writing, that when the quality is there, whether it's the acting, the writing, there's going to be success. So if anybody who wants to be an actor is listening or watching us, know your craft, right? Just mm -hmm. know your craft and don't worry about the stardom. It'll come if you do what you're supposed to do. And then the other thing is if, those, if there are parents who want child actors in the family, you enjoy working with children whose parents are raising them in a Normal way. Normal way. I yeah. said this when we were, um, I was doing a pilot uh, for CMT called Working Class. It, la it lasted like one season. It was so much fun. I loved it. And I got to work with Ed Asner and Patrick Fabian, but we were oh. casting kids. And I said to them, I said, I want to sit in the lobby because I got to be a little bit involved in the casting on that one. And I wanted, I always sat in the lobby when they brought the kids in 
and so I could, and they didn't know who I was at that moment, sort of just sit there and watch how the parents were with those kids before an audition. Cause I was like, that's who you're really working with when they're, mm. when they're real, when they're littler, literally working with the parents in a way. Well, Melissa, because the frenzy is changing the conversation around age, I have to ask you is Hollywood as ageist as it seems. Here's the deal. I've never, you know, I've never um, felt that, I guess, because I think, I've always sort of banked on myself being funny and that that doesn't age like funny's funny. So yes, I think if people were like, I'm only hired for my looks, which has never been the thing for me, it would be a harder um, uh, pill to swallow in a way. But I, I've always just relied on, I feel like funny will, will work. Funny will always work no matter what. And but yeah, I think I feel like I joke about it that it, you know, I think it was it the Amy Schumer sketch about that at 50, we turn invisible. Um, you know, you definitely have that feeling of not. And I don't I think I don't even think it matters if you're in Hollywood or not. I think that there's a lot of times you feel like, oh, when you walk into um, a party or whatever, are you the guy, are you the the one that everyone's like, who, who's that lady? Who's that lady? <laughs> you know? Um, and now they're it's sort of like, ma'am, a- ma'am, the book club's down the hall, ma'am. Um, <laughs> well, it's funny you bring up Amy Schumer because I just today uh, watched a <laughs> clip of her and it was, and pardon, this is going to be, you know, a bad word, but the unfuckable table. Oh yeah. And it was, uh, was yeah. It- I and it was, was, it was Tina Fey to. and it was, yeah. And, and, and it was um, Julia, Julia, Louis- Julia Louis-Dreyfus. And yep. yes. And the medium. Uh, uh, the, <laughs> the actress. i got to go see this. It's and, hilarious. And they're all meeting because it was someone's birthday. And they're like, well, Julia Louis-Dreyfus was now unfuckable. Yes. And, the, yes. and Amy Schumer was w- walking or jogging and came across them. And so they had to explain to her. We're 50 that now. We're, Yeah, we're 50 and we're unfuckable, according to the world and according to media. So we're celebrating that. So, yeah, yes. that might be the sketch I meant, but it's sort of like that thing of like, oh, it's invisible. But, you know, I have to say that for all that, when you talk about age, I think ageism is all over. I think we have a problem in this country with we celebrate youth in a way that is is a little bit bizarre to me when it's like you can't even drive a stick shift. Why am I giving you all the credit? Like it's I feel like <laughs> there is a wisdom. There is something great about having lived a while. And I think we do sort of. um we do. We worship this youth thing a lot where it's like, why? They haven't earned, they haven't, they need to live a little. Like I'm not, and I, but again, I'm not discounting. Like I love learning new things. I think you can learn stuff from the young, like, you know, how to unlock my phone. Um, but, <laughs> and how to do TikTok. But I just think that we, we do have a thing with like, what's the freshest and newest face, the new it thing. And I, and I think, but I have hope that it's changing. I, I I shouldn't say that blanketly that it is because I think I look at Jean Smart on Hacks, who's you know, um, or even just she's she's one of those women that I I sort of like to I love her career and she's now right now giving it an amazing turn as in a hilarious show called Hacks. But she's also on Mayor of Easttown doing something just a little bit darker. Like she's there's a lot of women that are over uh, forty even, which is by the way, that maybe is where you just slowly start to disappear. But um, I think there's a lot, I think it's changing. And I think it's changing because women, more women are in charge and, and are directing and writing, which we still need more of. I, I, I think that I, we don't have enough of that. But to everyone's credit, there's never, I've never been told by a producer or a director or anyone that, you know, Melissa, and by the way, I've been all over the place. I've been um, fake pregnant on camera, real pregnant on camera. I've been overweight, probably a little like obsessively like too thin. I've been all over the place. And I will say that to, to that credit, I've never been told I needed to change what I looked like. I have produced, I really haven't. And I've been, and I, so I think there's a luxury in sort of going, I, I, I've worked despite my, what I looked like in a way, you know, and and I don't say that because I think, oh, I'm not, I'm, I like, I think I'm, I think I'm beautiful. I think I'm all those things, but it's, but I've not relied on that. That's not what, that's not what defines a job for me. Well, you and know? I mean, and to flip it. So you have in, in, in men, you have the character actors and the lead actor. I mean, they have a name for, and then they do it for, for female actors too, but yeah. you know that the Brad Pitts and whoever, you know, this first comes to mind, but whoever the, the hot guy is going to be is that's what he is. He's being hired for because mm-hmm. he worked out and he looks good where a character actor who, in my view has always been the more respected actor 
is the one who is hired because of their talent, regardless of what they look like. They'll they'll look like whatever the character needs them to look like. And so at least within in the it seems to me, from my perspective, in the male culture in Hollywood, there is that line and there and nobody is better than anybody else. They just and there's the action actor and there's this actor. Where for women it seems like are we still trying to make every single actress have to feel that they have to be you know, mm-hmm. visible. <laughs> well, but by the <laughs> like way, which, is, which, 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 by the way, that's unfair to like the actors that are Brad Pitt because it's like the hot, like he's a good actor too. Like it's unfair on both sides. Like, like don't just say that the pretty guy can't be a funny guy. Exactly like, true. The funny guy's only funny because he's got a he's got a gut or whatever. Like it's unfair on on both sides to yes. to put people in boxes. But we like to do that because it's comfortable. And I will say that when, you know, in my like 20s and like 30s and stuff, um, sometimes they didn't know what to do with me because I didn't quite I didn't quite fit in either box. It's like I could do the blonde bombshell and like it was this and that and that. And like, but she's funny, too. And she's willing to be like crazy. And they, they couldn't quite figure out because it usually was, you know, when you cast the the funny one, she's got to have a reason that she looks there's There used to be a lot of that where like she's got a, you know, she's a little she's she's short and like round or she's got this. And so a lot of times they didn't know what to do. And so I think that's mm-hmm. too. Like you look at these yeah. young, these young comedians, these ladies that are outside of the box of what we used to have, like if, what female funny was. And wasn't it during mm-hmm. bridesmaids when it was like entertainment weekly um, put like women are funny or something like that on the head. Like, Oh, Oh, just now. Oh, okay. yeah. Right. Just yeah. Right. Extra, yeah. Extra, you know, yeah. yeah. I think yeah. it's changing. And I think part of it is changing because we're talking about it and, um, and that's important. And I think that women, and also, by the way, we need to be easier on each other. Like, yes, in all honesty, at least for me, I can remember women have hurt my feelings more sometimes because we're harder on each other a lot mm-hmm. or we use i mean we ha- we we do sometimes yeah agreed well and i think also when you talk about women being funny we're hopefully changing the conversation about men who i have male friends who like when with bridesmaids since you brought it up it's the i don't get it and i said and that's okay. It doesn't mean it's not funny. So it's, it's almost like I had to educate some men to say, it's okay for it not to be funny to you and it still be considered funny. Mm-hmm. So I'm fascinated by, by that too, how if it doesn't apply to men, then it doesn't apply. Then it shouldn't exist. Right. 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 Why do we, why are we making that? Like, why do we keep <laughs> making these like female razors? I don't use that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's this? What's this like bra thing? I, we don't even need these. Too. Um, I've been lucky. Do ahead. you have any advice for women in their forties and fifties about embracing their age? If somebody's felt like, oh, I can't tell anybody how old I am, or oh, I have to pretend like I'm younger. What would your advice be about just being exactly where you are? Well, you know. I think it's a lot about who you're surrounding yourself with too. Like that's always helpful. It's easy to be yourself and, and, and embrace it when you're, when you've got your, when you've got your good tribe around you, that makes it easier. Uh, I will say that here's the other thing. Admit that what you're about, you know, by the way, I love getting a good facial. I love taking care of the things I can, but is that everything? No. So it's like embrace some of those things, take care of your body and, and anything you can. And I say that, as I'm drinking coffee with fake cream in it. Um, (laughs) These are just chemicals, but you know, I think it's okay to sometimes admit that it's, there are things we are, we're all a little vain, right? It's okay. And it's okay to pamper that and take care of that little beast too, and, and do what you can to feel good, whether it is outward or inward, what you can do to feel good. Also, I always, I, I said this early, but I, do mean it like I we all know as you get older and this is I don't mean to sound like a downer but as we get older we're getting to the age where some people don't get to get this age some people people don't get to be 30 or 40 or 50 or six like and it doesn't and it could be for many different reasons so I think I'm how lucky I, I get to turn 50 I get to and not everyone gets to so it's lucky and also and like Reba always I you know she you she says it better and I won't I won't quote it right but there is a luxury to getting older where like you don't have to care about a lot of stuff, some stuff like I don't care and guess what as I get older I can say that more often so embrace mm-hmm. it as we get older there's so many things you can let go of and I hope that that women embrace that like I I'm excited to turn 50 cuz I'm now 
going to, you know, I'm going to bring movie the I'm going to bring candy into a movie theater and go, I'm 50. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> what are you going to do? I can't help it. I'm now bargain hunting. Like, I mean, you know, <laughs> I think it's, I, I simply cannot pay that much for Skittles when I know down the street. <laughs> and I'm 50. And that's a law now. When you're 50, you simply can't overpay for candy. Like, I, I think it's okay to like, just embrace those things and to look forward to them. You know, and, and also, it's okay to admit those moments that you're afraid of. And if you're afraid of turning a certain age, talk about it too. Like, I mean, will I, will I, will I be able to talk like this way when I'm 60 or will I be like, oh gosh, I'm 60? Well, it shouldn't be different. And, you know, it's funny when you say that, like a friend and I, she was not embracing 50. We had, a, you know, we'd had a girl's weekend. She had a great time. One of my gifts, which she gave back was, <laughs> was a membership to AARP because you mm. can join at 50. So I, it, it, and I, and she uh, gave it back to you? Admittedly, I gave it to her because I knew she was bothered by it. But you know what I did with that application? When I turned 50, I joined. So I keep telling her, guess what? I'm a proud, <laughs> I'm a card carrying member of AARP and proud of it because I think it's hilarious that I'm old enough to be a, George a part Clooney, of that group. George Clooney was on the cover <laughs> yes. like not too long ago. So I mean, yes. It's fine. <sighs> okay, Melissa, we do this thing called the Frenzy Five, where we just ask you quick five rapid fire questions. Okay. okay. No pressure. Here we oh go. Gosh. Number one, where is your cozy, happy place? Oh, my bed. <laughs> my bed. N number two, what's your favorite framed thing in your home? It's a it's a Fargo poster. And it's it's only my favorite because it's one that they never like used. And my friend found it for me because it actually had hooker number one and two in this poster that was oh, never nice. used. And he's went to a lot of trouble to get it. And so I love that he did that for me. Oh, that's so awesome. Number three, what's your most memorable birthday? My, oh gosh, I think my 40th was pretty memorable. I was with Miss Reeves and we were on a trip. And I believe I did do that thing of, I had had some cocktails. I'm like, I can't believe I'm 40. <laughs> Accomplished. Like it was, and, and and she was such a good friend. Speaking of good friends, I think she let me, you know, talk it out, and then it's great. But yeah, I, I was on a trip. It was great. It was really really fun. Number four. What's a daily routine or ritual that you stick to? Drinking one glass of water before I drink a coffee every morning. I try to do that. Oh, one whole glass. Oh, so good for you, right? Can't you tell? <laughs> I need to do this. I I need to follow <laughs> Melissa Peterman and drink the one. Oh, that's what my favorite ever. Yeah. What is, okay. <laughs> you look so great. I've been drinking a lot of water. Okay. Go on. Last one. Number five. What fashion trend did you jump on? Any era. Any era. Ah. A spiral perm. <laughs> really? Do you remember that? Anyone? Yes. The yes. And it never worked, but I wanted it so desperately. Because it looked like it would be beautiful, but I... Wasn't on me, Melissa. <laughs> Wasn't on me. <laughs> Not at all. Oh, and um, remember when everyone was wearing like the pashminas, like the like the oh, or, like the poncho yes. stuff? I, I enjoyed that <laughs> so much because it was like wearing it was like a tablecloth, like I just <laughs> a cape. It was a cape. It was great. I love that. <laughs> Those are fantastic. Both I had not thought of in years. So, okay. Tell us what's coming up for you. I know you've got a food network project. You're hosting live again, uh, events again at the Hollywood bowl, right? You've yes. got some big things coming up in addition to young Sheldon on CBS. Yes. I'm super excited. Well, season four on young Sheldon and I'm uh, very excited. Hopefully, you know, Brenda will be back in season five. Um, August 21st, I'm hosting the Sound of Music Sing Along at the Hollywood Bowl, and which I'm one of the things I really did miss during when we missed it last year. It's such a special night, and I'm super excited about it coming back. Well, friends, we want you to follow Melissa Peterman on Instagram and anything else you want to tell our frenzy fam. Um, that I had so much fun and I hope I get invited back. Yeah, absolutely. Are you we kidding? Love that. I can't wait to hear about your 50th trip because you're going to take a trip, right? I hope so. It's sort of up in the air right now because it's getting everyone's schedules. At this point, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I just get to go to the holiday and by myself. I don't know. Um, <laughs> which, I'm trying to make it work. It may not work exactly at, right now in this time, but I will be doing a trip with my sister and my girlfriends because we all need our frenzies for yeah, sure. Yes. Absolutely. This is, this is going to be the year of revenge girlfriend trips. 
right? Yes. Like they're calling it revenge travel this summer, but I'm like, no, uh, it's not just travel like with your family. Like I've been with my family. <laughs> I right. want my revenge <laughs> girlfriend right. trips. Yes. Right. That is one thing. Yeah. And I know Reva misses that too. Cause that's, you know, when you've traveled a lot, but yes, I want that revenge girlfriend trip. Like I'm going to go have so much fun and you're going to like it. <laughs> I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink the crap out of this. margarita. <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm full, but I'm still eating. <laughs> yes, I'm so there. I want to come on your girlfriend trip. Yes, Don't you stop massaging me. You keep rubbing. <laughs> Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. You're Thanks, awesome. Guys. Thank you so much. And now Jen has this week's neuro mantra. I will show up for my girlfriends. That's what you're going to say in the mirror this week because it's not going to be about you. It's about them. Okay. One of your friends needs you this week and whichever friend just popped into your mind, that mm. is the one that you should reach out to today. Okay. Just send her a quick text, make that phone call, leave her a voicemail. She might be seeming like she's got it all together and everything's fine, but she still needs you. We need each other as girlfriends. And that's your mirror mantra for this week. I will show up for my girlfriends. I love that because every one of us, you had somebody that popped in your mind, right? Right. Yes. I love that. And be active in doing so. I will do it. I will commit to doing that today. So is there a friend of yours who would enjoy this episode? Please share this with her because uh, our brand new YouTube is also live with videos and extended interviews. So they have options. Okay. Uh, if you like <laughs> this show and share about it on your social media, tag us and we can see it, and we can share it as well. So uh, there's all kinds of things that you can do. We're making it easy for you to get this content. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to the Frenzy Podcast and leave us a review. Those reviews really help us out and help more people discover. And you can also sign up for our weekly email, and we'll send the episode right into your inbox. We promise not to bug you. We just send one with the new show. You can sign up at thefrenzy.com. We also add some pretty cool links into our newsletter to dive deeper on some of the things we've talked about during the show. Yeah. And thanks to listeners who have subscribed to our email list at thefrenzy.com. Their names, Danielle Hudson, Becky Pendley, and Amber Harris. They don't know we're going to do that. We just see you and we want to thank you. The Frenzy is hosted and produced by Melissa Carter and yours truly. I'm Jen Hobby. Sound editing by Bo Johnson. Original soundtrack produced by Tammy Hurt for Placement Music, written and recorded by Placement Music creative team member Mark Daniels. These are real stories connecting real women. Now it's time to go share yours. Thank you for the gift of your time because we absolutely, positively appreciate you. Until next week, trust your gut, share your story, and stop, stop lying, lying about your <laughs> Yeah, yes, we suck. We'll see you next week. See you next week. <laughs>